We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, special guest, Justin Thomas. Justin, the Nets just beat the Wizards 124-97. How are we doing? I'm doing great. I'm off to a fantastic start on uh, the Brooklyn Buzz this year. I'm now 2-0, and uh, so we're just riding high right now. Riding high just like the Nets uh, are riding high because, boy, are they on a heater. Yeah, I mean, it was a, easy, it was a pretty easy win. You know, first half, they kind of came out a little flat, but third quarter, they turned it up. And essentially blew this team out. And then in the fourth quarter, we got some garbage minutes. And we're going to jump to that in plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But I guess, Justin, what's your biggest takeaway initially from this game? Obviously, Wizards, not great competition. One of the worst teams in the league. But what what can we take away from this one? I think we can take away the fact that, you know what? When push comes to shove, this team does have a second gear that they can get to. And they're able to take care of business. And just like you said, it was a kind of an uneventful first half. Um, at points, I, I believe the Wizards were in the lead in that first half. And you're just kind of like, all right, like at no point did I ever think the Nets were going to lose, but it just felt like, all right, why are they still letting the Wizards hanging around? You know, we kind of saw that in that Hornets game when the Hornets actually did beat the Nets at home. But this had this feeling of, all right, they kind of played around in the, in the first half. Uh, they erupted for a 40-point third quarter. And at that point, it's like, okay, you know, whatever was said in the locker room, they finally got it in gear. Cam Thomas uh, kind of, I don't know what he was said to him at halftime <laughs> or whatever, but he came out firing. The Nets as a team just were able to hit shots from the outside. And I think, honestly, that was very refreshing to see, like, all right, they can sleepwalk through a first half, but, you know, when they need to, they're able to get kick it up to a second gear. Yeah, uh, that's a, a great takeaway because, like you said, that Hornets game, they never really turned it up and blew out that team. And obviously the Hornets are around the same level of the Wizards, both not very good teams. And the Nets in this one, I love that they attacked the paint. You know, 76 points in the paint tonight, which is just huge. I mean, you're going to win majority of games if you're dominating inside like that. I think they were two points away from the the Nets record. So 78, so close. Obviously, they played garbage time minutes for a lot of guys down there too. So, And also big nights from Dayron Sharp, Nick Claxton, just guys just really getting where they wanted to. It helps that the Wizards don't really play, you know, great centers. You know, Gafford is essentially the only center they played Gallinari their backup center who's obviously not very mobile or athletic at this point in his career or really ever was so you know it, it's good stuff for the Nets that they can take care of these games and they kind of hopefully learn their lesson from the Hornets game last week but Justin who do you want to start with player wise 
Oh boy, this might come to a as a surprise to almost everybody, but I want to start with Dayron Sharp. Okay. Because my gosh, how how far we have come as as net fans and you know even I think maybe me on this pod because at one point we're like, "Oh my god, we got to get Dayron off this team. He's not fit to play in the NBA. He's a G leaguer." But wow, he he has played very well this season coming into this one. Look, 15 points, 11 rebounds. Um you know, he's just he's just a beast in the paint, just cleaning up rebound after rebound. He's dominant on the offensive boards, five offensive rebounds. Like he it like the stats don't lie. He is one of the best offensive rebounders in the game, and you wouldn't expect it, but he's just a big body. He's finally utilizing his size, learning how to not foul, not jump over the back of people. Even defensively, you know, he's 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 staying vertical. You know, he's he's avoiding those ticky tack fouls. Only three fouls tonight. You know, how many times have we ever come out of a a, a game and it's like damn Daron Sharp got he got four fouls in the first half. Like, what's going on? But him yeah. being able I mean, to last game against the Hawks, he was racking up fouls. Yeah. Um, so it was really nice to see. Obviously, the 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 skill level and the talent differential is different from the Hawks, you know, who have good centers. Um, you know, like they have Capella there coming to the to the Wizards, you know, you really don't have to worry about Gafford, and that's about it. But, you know, even just seeing some of his offensive post moves and like I know some of them resulted in, you know, turnovers, some resulted in fouls. But just seeing the confidence he has on the offensive end, not being afraid when the ball gets into his hands in the post, being able to make that one two drop step, you know, or one two and find the open man in the corner, find a cutter. Uh, these are the things that, you know, as net fans, it's very encouraging to see. And he has really solidified that backup center role for the Nets. Yeah, I would definitely probably label myself as a Dayron hater. Um, and he's definitely kind of turning me around. You know, <laughs> I think he's done a good job the last couple of games tonight. He was great. I think what you want to see from a backup center is just take advantage of opportunities. And he did that tonight. You know, we talked about they, they're rolling Gallinari and Gafford just physically not big enough to deal with Dayron. So take advantage of that. And like you mentioned, I think his comfort level, his poise, you know, at times in the past, it's felt like hot potato with him where he just feels like he has to rush into what he's doing when it, in terms of getting up. But there was, you know, one play tonight where it was an oop attempt instead of going up and missing the dunk came down, finished. It's simple things like that. He's just a lot more under control. Uh, four assists also tonight. I thought he had a really nice pass off an offensive rebound to Cam Johnson, a nice little bounce yes, pass. Yes, he did. Yep. Yeah, that was a pretty stuff. Uh, he also had a nice pass to Mikel Bridges when he sealed off Kyle Kuzma, just like almost like a it was similar to like a goal line fade in football where he just kind of hit it over the top. Bigger guy's going to come down with it. And, you know, th those type of things are huge. You know, you just want to see him make positive plays. You know, occasionally you'll still have, you know, a, a head scratching play, but tonight there really wasn't many mistakes and he just did a nice job of taking advantage of his overall physical advantage against his team. Yeah, it's uh, it def definitely a positive sign for Dayron. And, you know, that, that, like, like you said, you want to take advantage of, you know, when you have advantage on, on one end of the floor or even both ends of the floor, you want to take advantage of it. Obviously the talent level isn't there for the wizards. Uh, I think the real tests for Dayron will come when he, you know, goes up against more formidable centers and forwards, you know, obviously, you know, when you when not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but you know, come playoff time, you're gonna have to see an Embiid at some point. You're gonna have to see a Porzingis at some point. Um, Jokic next obviously week. Jokic next week. You know, you're gonna uh, Nurkic, I believe, next week yeah. as well. So these are gonna be so this, this West Coast road trip. They're gonna throw a, a, quite a few centers at Dayron. Um, you know, and Clax to to that level as well. Uh, but you just want to see him stay poised, like you said. Um, be a positive on that end, not be afraid, don't be a deer in the headlights. And, you know, he's going to be positive for the Nets off the bench.
Yeah, I think even interesting matchup too is like Golden State, a team that doesn't really play a center off the bench all the time. So how does he match up in some of these small ball lineups and kind of making sure he feels comfortable? Or I guess keeping on the centers, you know, this is a night where both net centers rebound in double digits. 15 rebounds for Clax, 11 for Dayron Sharp. Clax also had 13 points in this one, six of eight from the field, one of two from the free throw line. Uh, four of his 15 rebounds were offensive, two blocks, one turnover, uh, plus 15 in this one. You know, this was... A solid game from Clax, probably not one of his best ones. You could probably argue that uh, Dayron was more impactful in this one, but still really nice production from the center position for the Nets. You know, these are numbers that we're not used to typically seeing from two guys combined. Yeah, and isn't that great to say that, hey, this felt like a down Claxton game, and yet he still put up 13 and 15 with two yep. blocks. It was a plus 15 and the plus minus. Um that that's great, right? And this like I think we're finally at that point now where we've come to expect, you know what, Claxton can go out and get you maybe 18 points a game. He's going to, he should be getting you 10, 11, 12 rebounds a night. Yeah. So the, the fact that we're saying like this, this felt like a down Claxton game is definitely should be very encouraging for Nets fans. Yeah, I agree. You know, I think this is, if this is the, the, the floor for him, really good stuff. Obviously 15 boards, isn't going to be there every single night, especially, you know, a team's going to miss as much as the wizards, but again, still good stuff from him. And he got kind of banged up in this one. You know, it felt like he took like a couple elbows, you know, a hit to the face, ended up on the ground. I think that should be a little bit out there tonight. Yeah. yeah. Especially. <laughs> yeah. Obviously we know the beef between Spencer Dewey and Kyle Kuzma. I guess that kind of ties to the entire team in this one, but, uh, Clax, I'm hoping he gets 100% healthy because he is grabbing at that ankle occasionally coming down from dunks or different blocks and stuff like that. But overall, good stuff from him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Moving over to Mikel Bridges, who's been really, really good over the course of the last few weeks. 21 points, 9 of 15 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 4 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 blocks, 2 turnovers, plus 24. Easily could have been a 30-piece for Mikel if he had to, you know, play the entire game and put up more shots. Yeah, again, it just felt like a quiet night for Mikel, you know, obviously coming off of, you know, the explosion that he had against the, the Hawks, but... Look, this, this is what you expect from him every night. I expect to get 20-plus points. You know, he's going to knock down a couple with threes. He gets his teammates involved. He rebounds the ball. He does everything. I mean, the two blocks tonight, I thought, was what really stood out for yeah. me from Mikhail. The one on the the one layup attempt. And then getting back and being able to block a three-point shot in today's NBA is almost impossible. Yeah. And for him to do that and not get called for a foul was, was pretty impressive to me. So I think that's – people forget about, like, the length Mikhail has on the defensive end because he's able to alter shots – the blocks won't be there every night, but he's able to challenge shots, alter shots at the rim, um, get into jump shooters' faces, and that's what you really like. He's really becoming, you know, a, 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 I don't know, if it's like a five-tool player, you know, in baseball. Yeah. Like, he has every tool in his arsenal. He can score. He can defend. He has a three-point shot that you have to respect. He can facilitate. He can rebound the ball. So he does everything. I'm not saying he's on, like, that superstar like Kawhi Leonard type of, oh, he does everything, but he's getting up there. He's getting up there. Yeah, I think uh, the passing and the playmaking has really developed. You know, you see him reading coverages a lot better this season. And I think like obviously the first couple weeks of the season, he wasn't looking comfortable and his handle was looking sloppy. It feels like he's kind of regained that confidence and also just like taking more ownership of the offense and being more of like, hey, give me the ball. Let me go do some things out there where in the past he's been a little bit too passive. So good to see from him. Really efficient. I mean, 60% from the field, 66 from three, 100 from the free throw line, and just only two turnovers in this one. Just as you mentioned, you know, is able to impact the game in a lot of different ways. You know, tonight only four rebounds, but in the past couple games, it feels like he's had more of an impact in that area as well. So continuing to be a really good all-around guy. Uh, moving over to Cam Johnson, finished this one on three of eight from the field, one of five from three, five rebounds, uh, one turnover, seven points. Very, very quiet night from Cam Johnson. Almost probably a little bit too passive, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on that, Justin? I jinxed him. I jinxed, I'll take full <laughs> credit for that. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw my tweet earlier in the day, but look, he came in. He had made three threes in each of his last three games. I mean, he's been getting a healthy amount of shots up at the rim. Yep. Um, and he's been playing well, you know, but obviously like saying, you know, you're going to have your down nights and tonight just happened to be one of those down nights for Cam. Um, yeah, almost non-existent out there tonight, but look, the Nets win. So it's not as big of a, an issue. I don't think we're going to see many seven point performances from Cam Johnson, especially because we're scoring double double figures. We're used to seeing him get 13, 14, 15, 16 points a night. You know, he's still there. He's active on the boards. He got five tonight. You know, um, the assists are not there, but that's not what you expect from him. You know, he's not a guy that's going to facilitate if he gets, you know, a couple here and there on his drives. That's nice. Uh, but he's more of a complimentary piece and that he should be viewed as such, not viewed as somebody at, in the same breath as like a Mikhail or a Clax or a Spence or even like a Cam Thomas. He's there on there. He's on the floor to compliment those guys, make some open threes from the wing, make an open three from the corner. And whatever else he gives you on offense is a plus. 
Yeah, uh, definitely interesting in terms of how his role changes kind of game to game, quarter to quarter. I mean, the Hawks game, you know, I think he had 15 points in the first half, finished with two in the second half. And then tonight, really not super aggressive, just kind of, as you mentioned, passive. I think maybe some of that also you could be a result of the Wizards defense being so bad that the initial ball handler was able to get to their spots and get their shot ups without, you know, having to facilitate and pass the ball around. So interesting, just something to kind of keep an eye with him. I think at times we've seen this in the past, more so last season, early on this year, but kind of finding the correct role with him now with, you know, Cam Thomas back, Spencer doing what he kind of in the groove, Mikel Bridges back to being that kind of lead guy for this team. You know, where does Cam Johnson fit and how can they generate probably more three-point attempts for him as well in this one? But over to Cam Thomas, as I mentioned, you know, back now a couple games, finished with 17 points, seven of 19 from the field, two of four from three, one of two from the free throw line, two rebounds, four assists, one steal, one block, two turnovers, plus 14. You know, Cam doesn't look fully, fully comfortable, but we did see some positive things from him in this one. Yeah, we did. You know, the first half was a little bit of a struggle for Cam. Just, you know, he was able to get to his spots, but, you know, the shot just wasn't falling. And, you know, he feels like, yeah, a lot of times I saw in that first half, he was kind of looking at the refs, like saying, hey, I'm getting bumped. They're, they're hitting my arm. Like, why aren't you calling the foul? Uh, but credit to him for not letting you get him too down because we've seen it in the past, like, you know, especially young guys, you know, a tough first half snowballs into a tough second half. Uh, he came out firing. I think he scored like eight points in the first, maybe like five minutes of that second half. Uh, really kind of helped spark that offense for that third for that 40 point third quarter, you know, finished with 17. So it's still respectable. Uh, what stood out to me, though, the one particular play, he got the ball in the corner, drove baseline, I think made a uh, almost like a Euro step in the lane, hit it out to, uh, I believe, Cam Johnson in the corner. Cam Johnson hits the three. And that's one of the plays where I'm like, yeah, this is what we're talking about. Yep. Like, this is the growth we love to see from Cam. We know he's an absolute bucket, and I don't think he's getting enough credit for his playmaking ability this season. Uh, and again, four assists. I'm I'm hammering if if his if his if his if his over is only like two and a half every night, I'm taking it. I'm hammering it because you know he he's proving that he's not just a scorer. He looks to find his teammates. Yes, he's going to look to get a shot off. No, no doubt about it. And we love him to get a shot off, but. Finding open teammates, working the ball, moving the ball, you know, keeping the offense moving is something that he's definitely improved at this year. And and it was a big reason why the Nets won tonight. Yeah. And I think also coverage is starting to change for him a little bit. He's getting more attention. You know, he's starting to see two guys. I think those assist numbers will continue to climb. As you mentioned, that great pass to Cam Johnson, also a really nice pass to Mikel Bridges in transition, you know, where he in the past probably tries to force that up instead makes you know the pass the last second. Mikel gets the easy layup. So those small little things can make a huge difference. You know, that goes from being a turnover or missed shot to now being two or three points for the team. And essentially that's a big deal when it comes to better matchups against better teams. So happy with him. And I think, you know, we'll start to see his efficiency climb back up as he kind of plays a little bit more and gets back into the mix of things. And as I mentioned with Cam Johnson, I think there's also just kind of a balancing act going on right now between, you know, all these ball handlers and scores because at different points, it feels like different guys have led the team with all the injuries they've had over the course of the early parts of the season. But over to Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, 14 points, 6 of 15 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3, 9 assists, 3 rebounds, 4 steals for Spencer, 2 turnovers. You know, Spencer did not shoot well. I think he started this game 1 of 9, but then all of a sudden the second half, similar to the Hawks game, turned it up, found his thing, and was playing good basketball. Oh, I definitely know he wasn't shooting that well because somebody, they'll uh, <laughs> remain nameless, May have taken the over on some of his uh, stats, but no, it, he 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 played 
well in that second half. Um, the facilitating is there. Nine assists. This is what we're expecting from him almost every single night. What really stood out to me, the four steals, you know, just yeah. being active, having active hands in the passing lanes. Uh, I believe he even like took cookies from somebody at one point. Uh getting out in the break. And I think that's what led to a, a Dorian Finney-Smith uh, layup attempt. He ended up getting fouled by Gallinari. Uh, but these are the things that you expect from your point guard. And Spence has truly, you know, he's truly thrived in this point guard role. And I know he's, he's taken some slack earlier in the year. You know, I, I'm pretty sure I was one of those people that were giving him some grief early on. But he's definitely, you know, fit in well and and really solidified this starting point guard role. And credit to him, he's he's almost like the engine that, you know, we talk about Mikhail Bridges, we talk about Cam Thomas, but he's really kind of the engine that gets everything going. He sets guys up. His chemistry with Claxton has been through the roof. I know there was a graph or a chart uh, maybe that dropped earlier this week that was showing yeah. the best lob threats in the league, and they were on that list. So it, it's it's we've come a long way from yeah. uh, early Spencer Dinwiddie just throwing lobs in the, into the crowd or off the backboard. So it's it's been a, a breath of fresh air seeing him what he's been able to do. Yeah, and I think offensively he looks better, obviously, with McKellen and Cam Thomas both there to alleviate some of the scoring duties. So now he kind of just set guys up. And I think since Ben's been out, he's found his comfort zone in terms of leading the show. I think he was struggling a little bit playing alongside Ben Simmons, just kind of the difficulties of balancing, you know, obviously Ben's strengths and weaknesses and all those different things. So happy that he picked it up in the second half. And as you mentioned, defensively had some impact plays in this one, but over to Dorian Finney-Smith. Pretty quiet night for DFS. Eight points, two of five from the field, one of four from three, three of three from the free throw line, three rebounds. No, nothing negative about him, just not necessarily his biggest game, but it wasn't really necessary for him to have a big game. Yeah, right? Like, it was like kind of one of those, like, every time he stepped on my like, dang, oh, Dorian's on the court? Oh, I didn't even yeah. realize. Like, like the only time I really realized he was on the court was one on the foul attempt, you know, in the layup attempt on the fast break, and then on the three-point shot where the nets literally worked the ball around like 1200 yeah. times and it resulted in him hitting a three um which kind of like the icing on the cake for that third quarter run but yeah like I, I, like you said i there's nothing negative he did i can't really say he did great things positively but i think maybe that just goes to how good he is like we've yeah. come to expect like he's just not going to be a negative to this team and you know points wise we'll know when he's scoring right like we're going to know when he's hitting all these threes defensively he's as much of a sure thing as you can get he's gonna take away the other team's probably best or second best score he's gonna he can play all five positions on, on defense uh so yeah good night for dorian um, um i'm sure he'll say you know he doesn't care about his stats and you know as long as the team is winning he's yep uh, and that's pretty spot on over to another bench guy I had a little bit more of an impactful night obviously some of that was uh because of some uh, beef on the court, but that's Royce O'Neal in this one finished with 13 points, four of 10 from the field, three of nine from three, two of two from the free throw line, eight rebounds, five assists, one block, uh, one zero turnovers for Royce, just good stuff. Hit some big threes in this one, obviously got a tech was drawing with uh Denny and Kispert out there. So, you know, doing his thing. That's like the most random of random like things like Corey Kispert and Denny Avia and Royce O'Neal was going back and forth. And what's funny is like at that point, I think the game was kind of like it was getting out of reach. Yeah, I think it was maybe like a 19, 20, 21 point game at that point. And, you know, at that point, it's like, all right, guys, we're just trying to get out of here. It's a Friday night. Like, you know, we're trying to go to the club. Yeah. But overall, Royce, solid game once again. Uh, he's really played well uh, over the past few weeks. Um. The three-point shot is there. I mean, three of nine. I'm not in love with Royce O'Neal taking nine threes in a game. I know some of that was like in the fourth quarter, just getting shots up, you know, getting stats. But the five assists are nice, eight rebounds. He is sneakily good 
on the glass. I know we talked, we probably talked about that last year as well. Um, and you know, it's maybe some people don't want to hear it, but look, he just keeps increasing his trade stock. You yeah. know, the Nets are going to be a team that people are going to look at, you know, guys like Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal are guys that are on people's watch list. We've seen, we've already seen on Twitter, like a lot of, you know, GMs around the league saying like, Hey, keep an eye out on these guys. And the better he plays, the better his, his, his trade stock. And that just behooves the Nets. So love him while he's here, but you know, there could be an ulterior motive behind this as well. Yeah. I mean, his contracts up at the end of the year, obviously, as you mentioned, a valuable role player can kind of check a lot of boxes, you know, solid defender, not elite does better against kind of bigger, more physical guys that lack of like elite quickness and can provide you some secondary playmaking and can fill on the boards and just overall a tough player. So we'll see what happens with him, you know, as the trade line trade deadline approaches, you know, I think it's very likely that one of Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal is moved. And obviously, you know, there's some potential options with guys you know coming back being ben simmons or maybe jalen wilson getting an opportunity to play with the big team but over to trenton watford uh not really anything crazy for him you know eight eight points two of five from the field four of four from the free throw line two rebounds two assists solid night don't think he similar to dfs not great not bad just kind of out there yeah yeah i only like he got a lot of minutes in that fourth quarter you know yeah. it's kind of garbage time at that point um, we've seen him in bigger roles with the Nets. He's thrived in bigger roles. Tonight just didn't, just wasn't one of those nights where the Nets kind of needed him, um, which is fine. You don't really expect to need him in a game like this against the Wizards, another blowout win for the Nets. Yeah. But, you know, like it, it's one of those where we know what he's capable of. So it's not, like looking at his, his game tonight isn't indicative of what he's been able to do for the Nets already this season and what he will be doing for the Nets as the season progresses. Yeah, I just do have one take on him, and I think this has kind of developed across the season. I think he's a good passer, but he has bad vision. So he misses, <laughs> you know, he can make a great pass, but he misses a lot of openings. You know, Mikel Bridges was cutting in front of his face at one point in this game, didn't hit him, had somebody else wide open in the corner. I think it was Mikel as well, didn't hit him. You know, he just seems to kind of get locked on and almost predetermines what he's going to do. I think he could probably read the floor a little bit, but obviously not huge opportunities for him to do that all the time. But over to Harry Giles, got some garbage time, got some dunks in there, eight points, four or six in the field, two rebounds, one block everyone seems super happy to see him get some minutes and get some opportunity to play. Absolutely. It's always nice seeing Harry Giles. Harry Giles is a fan favorite. You know, and I know in the beginning of the year, we were all kind of saying like, Hey, Harry Giles over Dayron Sharp, but clearly Dayron Sharp saw our tweets and has, <laughs> you know, he's definitely played much better and, and solidified yep. that backup, you know, pretty much wrestled that any, any doubt of the backup center spot away from uh, Harry Giles, but still good to see him out there. The team is happy. He's out there. The fans are happy. He's out there. He looks energized when he's, when he's there, he just looks happy. And you know what? It's nice seeing a guy that, you know, kind of end of the bench guy that's happy to play. He, he's going to get, you know, six, seven, eight DMPs in a row, but he doesn't hang his hat. He doesn't, he doesn't, you know, keep his head down. Um, when he gets in, he makes the most of his minutes. Uh, probably could have had 10 points if he didn't get a back spasm on that one dunk. Uh, <laughs> but otherwise, you know, yeah. a very successful five minutes for Harry Giles. Yeah, exciting stuff. I think looking at this game overall, uh, obviously the Nets beat the Wizards, who, as we mentioned, one of the worst teams in the league. Against better teams, they're probably going to have to shoot a little bit better or find other ways to win. 10 of 33 from three. Luckily, the Wizards even were six of 33 from three. Not something you typically see. You know, most nights in the NBA, 16 threes for one team is pretty common, let alone for both teams combined. Yeah. And, you know, how funny is that? Like the Nets <laughs> it felt like a very poor shooting night tonight, and yet they still rattled off 124 points. And 
again, like it's, it's just so funny how we came into this season expecting, hey, we're going to be locked down on defense. It's going to be tight 102 to like 108 games every night. It's going to be a dogfight. And here the Nets are sitting at what the third best offensive rating yeah. in the NBA. And I'm like, all right, I didn't know Mike D'Antoni was still on this staff, but okay, like here we go. Right. And that's with guys being in and out of the lineup too. That's with arguably your best score missing time in Cam Thomas, Mikel starting the season slow, uh, whatever you think of Ben Simmons, you know, I think there's an argument for both ways of him impacting the offense negatively and positively. Now Lonnie Walker being out, who is awesome and super efficient for the first couple of weeks of the season too. So the Nets are a well-oiled machine offensively, which is just super strange to say, given, you know, the expectations going into the year. And I think the defense will start to come along. Maybe we'll see it kind of balance out. But Justin, any other thoughts on this game or on the Nets in general? Uh, they took care of business at home. I thought the Nets had a very successful, at, like, basically homestand. You know, I kind of throw the, the Hawks game in there as well because Atlanta's not too far of a, yeah. uh, a trek. But they took care of business and they're in a nice groove right now. I believe what is six of their last seven yep. uh, uh, games. And that's a nice bounce back after that three game uh, losing streak. Now they go on the road, you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a very tough stretch. It's going to be a, a, you know, gut test, you know, gut, gut punch time for this Nets team, almost like a litmus test. You're going to go up against a good Sacramento team. Obviously the Phoenix Suns are star star loaded, the defending champs in Denver, Golden State, you know, it, they're not the Golden State of old, but they're going to they, they can give you problems. And then you finish off with Utah. And so I think, you know, if you're a Nets team, if you take two of three, you're happy with that. Um, obviously, you want to take all of them. I think they can compete in every single game out there. I don't expect them to get blown out at any point. But look, just fight hard, play hard on the road. And, you know, you come back and face your, uh, you know, crosstown rivals in the Knicks uh, for your first home game. So, yeah, I think uh, that's a great point. I think it'll be a good test for the Nets, see how they kind of compete against these teams. If they can pull off like two wins against uh, either Sacramento, Golden State, Denver, or Phoenix, that'd go a long way. You know, if they can pull off, you know, Utah, I think that's a game that they have to aim to win just because it's obviously the, Yes, least talented team of the group. And then they have to find a way to win one of those other games. If they can win two of those games, that'd be great. You know, remember last year, they did make some surprises on that road trip. They beat Denver at home, which was a team that lost very, very few games at home last year. So interesting to see what Vaughn kind of cooks up, how the guys play. And also it's kind of good for team chemistry, getting out there, you know, building a bond, being on the road together for a while. But Justin, always a pleasure. Big thanks to everybody listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.